Blue Sign and I regularly forget that other people genuinely experience yes. sexual attraction <laughs> and that it's not like a joke or like, um, uh, what's the word? Uh, a plot device <laughs> to make stories more complicated. Mm. So like periodically, so, like something will happen and we'll be like, oh yeah, that's a real thing. <laughs> and like, you know. <laughs> I'm sitting over here like, man, I think that uh, <laughs> Trevor Belmont's a real stone cold hottie. <laughs> <laughs> Analysis. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast. I am your host, Red. I am joined, as always, by Indigo and our very special, uh, recently wedded guest star, Blue! (laughs) He's here! He's exhausted, but he's here, baby! I just got back from several hours of driving. It was a bad time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're all happy you made it back. Mm -hmm, Um, Mm-hmm. Let's see. I believe typically in this slot, we would normally have a little bit of light conversation before diving into the videos, but seeing as something rather momentous happened uh, in the last couple weeks, shall what, we... What, we hit trending or something? Oh, yeah, 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 the, the werewolf <laughs> video. But that's not really the important part, <laughs> because that very next day, some other stuff happened. Oh, yeah, it was the... Oh, my God, it was one day to another... Yeah. Oh, God. It all yeah. so fast. It really did. And yet somehow it felt like it took years. Oh, boy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I got married uh, to Cyan, and it, w- it was a wonderful time. It was. Uh, we, we had a blast. Uh, Red, you were there. Indigo, you were there. I was. Uh, Cyan and I were both there. Uh, it was great. <laughs> you were there, Scarecrow. Uh, we, we, we were working on that for like a year and a half since you we first there. got engaged. Um, it went off pretty much perfectly. Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. Everything was great. We all had a blast. Um, I could sleep for a week uh, and keep going. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hell, yeah. <laughs> uh, Indigo and I served as groomsmates. Hell, yeah. Uh, which was by far the more relaxing of the two possible options yes, from as what someone we've heard. who has been both a bridesmaid and a groomsman now, definitely prefer being a groomsmate. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was great because, like... You know, the groomsmates, we were all just, like, hanging out in a hotel oh, yeah. room together, yeah. talking about the Princess Diaries 2 royal engagement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, And, like, eating Watching crepes. the fountain scene. Yeah, Of yeah. course, from Watching the Princess Diaries 2 royal, royal engagement. engagement. Eating yep. crepes from the local crepery. And then, meanwhile, the mood in the bridesmaids suite was more like, the hair and makeup people are here two and a half hours early, but we're still running late. And, like, klaxons <laughs> going off and, like, <laughs> fire <laughs> alarms. <laughs> not, quite, uh, n- not quite that bad, but it, it was kind of humorous, because, uh, let me remember the order of events here. <laughs> Basically, it ended up being such that Cyan was over with, uh, uh, with her mom and her sisters, uh, getting everybody ready, um, in, in their, in their room, uh, the morning of, as, like, we were waiting for the people who were coming from, from elsewhere in town and not, who, who were not staying at the hotel and thus were, like, not there that minute. Like, okay, organize this, organize that. Uh, my dad was was having dinner with or was having breakfast with his sister that morning, and my mom was over with Cyan and the bridesmaids. So I was like, "Oh, I've got like you know two. It's like eight o'clock. I've got two hours before the groomsmaids show up." I'm like, "Oh, I'll call my dad, see if he wants to come up and hang out." <laughs> oh, he's having breakfast with my aunt. I'll call my mom, see if she wants to hang out. 
oh, she's over with the bridesmaids. So I just kind of <laughs> sat by myself for two Aww. hours and I was actually... waiting for everyone else to show up. <laughs> and I messaged you at that time. I was like, hey, I've got one of the keys. Should I come up early? And you're like, nah, it's cool. You know, I'm just kind of chilling. I was like, yeah, I'm in my PJs drawing X-Men characters. So like, we're good. <laughs> yeah. It was a very chill morning considering how fraught things got. Uh, yeah. Which is also cool because uh, we had our requisite one minor crisis. Yes. Uh, uh, all the bouquets got left behind, so I and yeah, the groomsmate had to go. Yeah, sign in my apartment. Yeah. Because had... on on Friday, uh, after a morning uh, of of fun and festivities uh, and the women getting their nails done, uh, groomsmate gang went over Ooh. to my uh, my apartment, take some pictures with Cleo, and to load mm-hmm. up a whole bunch of the stuff that we need for the wedding into my car to take it over <laughs> to the hotel. So we did great. Uh, I almost forgot uh, my suit and Cyan's dress, uh, but we didn't. What we did forget uh, was the box with all of the bouquets in it. So the morning of, Cyan's like, hey, Blue, where are the bouquets? (laughs) Like, ah, I know exactly where they are. They're in the office. And I'm in the elevator. (laughs) I'm like heading up to hang out with the other groomsmates and my phone rings and Cyan is like, hey, Red, um... Slightly weird question. <laughs> Would you be down to uh, go with this other groomsmaid in the car and get the bouquets from our apartment where they are? And I was like, you're being very calm about this, but I get the feeling this is a <laughs> crisis situation. <laughs> um, so uh, it was fun. We, we piled into the car, had a quick drive across town, grabbed the stuff, got back, got slightly rained on, but... That was why it was, that's what the groomsmates are for, you know? Our suits yeah. are less fancy than the groom's suit. The groom is not supposed to be out in the rain. Um, yes. Yeah. But yeah, exactly. it was cool. It was cool. Yeah. Uh, it was fun. Yeah. And the ceremony was great. Um, yeah. Had a good time. Mm-hmm. Got married. Important, important stuff. <laughs> um, our, our priest took the opportunity to, uh, to, to talk shit about me at my own wedding, which was really <laughs> funny. Because he knows that, that, I, that I do OSP, so... So when he was giving his, his, his homily in the middle of the wedding mass, he was yes. like, uh, and, uh, you know, something, something, you know, uh, Blue does, does his videos, and uh, there's something that I'm doing uh, right now, Blue. It's called breathing. You should try it sometime. <laughs> oh, God. Like, oh, oh man, yes. I just got put on blast by my priest. <laughs> I spent so much of that wedding and pre-wedding experience getting called out by random people in your and Cyan's extended families that I didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> Being like, oh, I know exactly who you are. And I'm like, oh, cool. It's not mutual. Is I it good? I <laughs> loved watching that happen because I was always standing right next to you just yep. watching yep. the sun fall. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, God. Oh. My yeah. little cousin did that at his bar mitzvah at one point, too. So it's not just a wedding thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was like talking to the rabbi and he was like, yeah, my cousin's YouTube channel has been great. She's over there. There she is. Say hi. And I was just like trying to merge into my seat yeah. like, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> the other fun highlight of uh, of the mass, aside from me getting put on blast uh, at my own wedding, uh, was when uh, the priest very generously offered to do a portion of the mass in Latin, which was cool as hell. Yellow was thrilled. He understood almost all of it, uh, except the, the radiator decided to turn on in the middle of this priest <laughs> doing a really good job of like chanting in ancient latin so it's like agnus dei clang 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 (laughs) and it's like look if you're at a wedding and like the people in the audience turn around because there's a weird noise like that's one thing when the bride turns around (laughs) that is the danger mode (laughs) it's like all right whoever that is somebody just like kill him or something get him out of here it's like oh it's the radiator dang it (laughs) that's much harder to kill yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, it was a it was yeah. a it was a fun time. It was great. Yeah, it was a fun time, and then we uh, 
Party had a lovely dinner, had cocktail hour, had a blast. Uh, uh, Yellow and I uh, danced a very bad Irish jig to Club Seamus by <laughs> Kevin MacLeod, which was definitely my highlight of the dancing yes. for the evening. I think that's bad. I got dragged into a Greek line dance I had no idea how to do. <laughs> yes. No one uh, does. That's no one the joy does. of Greek that's line dances. Yeah, I've been doing Greek line dances at weddings since I was five and never once have I actually known how to do the Greek line dance at the wedding. Yeah, sorry for ducking out of the line dance and putting you right behind the leader because I was like, there's, okay, there's going to be a lull in the rhythm. That's my chance. Yeah. I like yeah. ducked out, um, connected the arms. I knew we were at Blue's wedding. Oh, hello, Cleo. I sense a cat. Hello, Cleo. Presents. Do you want to say hi? She's very meow. pixely, but I can see. Yes, yeah, so that would be because my hi, internet Cleo. quality is bad. Hello, Cleo. Ooh, ow, oh, oh. Gloves <laughs> <laughs> came out. On my neck. <laughs> yeah, she just fully Ouch. climbed down blue. Hello, Cleo. She's out for blood. Follow the oh, sun and she's wedding. gone. <laughs> okay, there she goes. Eh. Rip. Eh. Um, I knew we were at Blue and Cyan's wedding because, like, the third song that played during the reception was the Wellerman. The Wellerman. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, they were like, this is a request of the groom. <laughs> I was actually out of the room when that happened, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which was unfortunate. Uh, so I felt like a dumbass. <laughs> that DJ played three hours straight of bangers. I was yes. so tired. I was, yeah. was very fun. Yeah, no, he, he was great. It was um, so Yeah, great. and also yeah. we played, uh, uh, during during the dinner, uh, guests retreated to the lovely sounds of soundtracks from Abzu, Journey, and The yep. Legend of Zelda yep. Breath of the Wild. Yes. Yep. Our friends yep. were like, yo, Blue, playing Hitano <laughs> Village, this shit's my jam. And then, like, the adults were trying to shazam it, and I'm like, oh... Oh, that's so adorable. <laughs> the adults. <laughs> yes, I was. It's one. I was sitting at a table with a, a bunch of a bunch of several greens actually, amongst other friends. Uh, yeah. And it was fun watching all of them one by one go around the circle at the table, progressively like five minutes into five minute increments into dinner, and individually realize, wait a minute, that's video game music. Yeah. I know this. I know what this drone is. Like that's the Sheikah Tower song. Like, hey, excuse <laughs> it you. It was very fun. Writing uh, parentheses and- night. <laughs> <laughs> and the best part about the wedding is that nobody got the plague. We, yeah, we were no all one got the plague, but we all made it through plague free. It yeah. was great. We ensured oh. that everyone showing up was vaccinated. We had masks throughout most of the service. Some people we had to, to cudgel into actually putting the damn thing on, but we made it work. Uh, and uh, yeah, yeah, no, sans plague. Yeah, yeah yes. we made it happen. But uh, no, it was a. Uh, it was a very good time. Uh, I had fun. I'm absolutely exhausted, but um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm fairly uh, fairly satisfied with, uh, with that, yeah. that went. How would you rank this wedding? <laughs> and now I'm free. I'm married. It's done. <laughs> oh, man. We did it. You we did, did it, Reddit. We did it, Reddit. <laughs> yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Oh, man. And uh, not to organically segue but you put out an extremely cute video the yes. week after. oh thank you <laughs> yeah. yeah um because uh it you know you know a lot of the comments were like oh for your wedding you gave cyan homework and it's like hey 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 he did that before the wedding <laughs> yeah yeah that, that was before the wedding it was a a small research assignment which would turn into me doing the actual research. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah it's um, like guys you know but... cyan knew what she signed up for come on <laughs> yeah exactly it's like uh, oh Ah, no, no, they are perfect for each other. And then there was the other undercurrent of, oh, wait, the history guy got married. Maybe we do have hope for the rest of us gang. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, but no, it was a really fun video. I um, I was, like, ready to be like, okay, we might do something like, you know, Central Europe. Like, Cyan had a real great time in Salzburg. Who knows, might, might go to slush, uh, 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 
Schoenberg, I can't pronounce German, um, uh, might do like Hallgrim's Kirkia in Reykjavik. It's like, oh no, it's it's Venice. Fuck. Okay, cool. Venice. Here we go. Here we go. So so yeah, uh, and it was yeah. fun. I I had the one of the best experiences of, of researching of of any video because. I, in the process of, like, you know, doing my cursory Googles and finding, like, oh, like, the website for the Doge's Palace has, like, some guides and stuff. It's like, oh, that's so cool. I can, like, I can look some things up. I can I can go to the source. Um, they had uh, a guide section with, like, room-to-room -room breakdowns of, like, all the different chambers in the Doge's Palace in Italian and a very much, like less thorough version in English. So it's like, oh man, I, I can translate this, but I'm going to have to translate all this. Okay, here we go. And then as I scroll down on the Italian page, it's like, click to download. And it was at like a 20 page English PDF of like all the information. I'm like, oh my God, this is the best source I've ever received in my life. Wow. It's, it's the, it's the Doge's palace itself telling me about the Doge's palace. Mwah. Perfect. Historians would kill for things like this, for, yeah. for more things in history. Yeah. So that was fun. Uh, and then I had to, to go through um, a very weird set of, of, like, online, like, Wikipedia rabbit holes to find out who built this one part of the indoor court, or of, of the courtyard uh, of the palace that I really liked. Like, oh, was it the guy who was uh, committed, or who, who committed, like, budget fraud and was charged with, like, embezzlement? Was it the guy who blew the budget by making the design way fancier? Or was it, like, this other guy who came way later? And I was able to, like, kind of figure it out after trolling through some Italian-only Wikipedia articles. <laughs> but, yeah, and that's not even to say that the guy who designed the, the outside of the Doge's Palace that, like, is on all the pictures um, was uh, executed for treason <laughs> because he took part in the one attempted coup... Uh, in Venetian history, wherein a doge attempted to make himself king, um, uh, was it Folier? Yeah, Marin Folier. Um, he was he was working with the doge to try and throw this coup and make the doge like a king and dis and like dismiss the republic. God. And he was um, uh, executed on treason charges. I did not have time for that in the video. <laughs> Would have been way too much of a tangent. Yeah. But that's a fact I learned. Hooray! <laughs> I do feel, I, I gotta tell, like, you know, from behind the curtain stuff, I think it was only, like, two months before the wedding that you were like, okay, yeah, yeah, for my immediate post-wedding video, I should probably do something pretty short, you know? Because you, mm -hmm. you had something else planned for a while. I was like, what are you planning on doing for November 7th? I was like, oh, yeah, it's gonna be this. And I was like, for, uh, <laughs> are you, like, hundo percent on that? And, like, the, for the last, like, year and a half, you and Cyan both have been like, no, no, I'm actually really chill about the wedding. It's not a problem. It's all the other stuff. And it's like... Guys, I promise you, it's at least 90% the wedding. <laughs> it's like, it, you know, all the other stuff is definitely contributing, but like, if your normal stress levels are like down here, the wedding has pushed them up to here, and if the threshold for freakout is here, <laughs> you know, you know, uh, for yeah. those of you at home, I'm making some very illustrative hand gestures right now, but I'm sure you can get the, the point. Anyway, um, but yeah, yeah, eventually yeah. I was like, no, you should, you should probably not do like a full length video for the you know five days after your marriage <laughs> you're like okay all right um anyway but i did but, so oh well yeah, <laughs> i well, didn't i intended for it to be like five minutes long but i kept finding things i wanted to put in i'm like yeah. oh wait this is actually really cool i can yeah so every time i try to find a short video format it doesn't work except for city minutes which is why i like that one yeah. um but yeah no so we had fun uh and uh yeah, it was a good time. Um, Red, you got to see me um, in person doing some some final touches on those videos because we were hanging out for the week before the wedding. You were yeah. in town um, when we recorded the last podcast. Mm -hmm. uh, Sign and I have just gotten back from from our honeymoon. Uh, we had fun. 
We are absolutely exhausted, and if I try to make it through the rest of this podcast, I will fall asleep on air. Yes. So uh, I'm going to turn this back over to you two so that you can talk about uh, the fun time that was the werewolves video, Sweet. which was cool because so many people are like, you should do a video on werewolves in like comments <laughs> and Patreon posts, and we're like, oh, ho, ho. Oh, 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 wait, wait until you see. My machinations are like undetected. But yes, yeah, that was a great yeah. time. Uh, yeah, exactly. We will let you go and sleep so, and hang please. out with the beautiful kitty I see in the background of your shot right now. All three pixels of her. <laughs> there she is. Uh, all right. Um, Wonderful. Oh, werewolves. Yeah, so Woo. blue's out, and now it's time yes. for the OSP Girls Night. Girls Night, <laughs> girls night from Indigo's apartment yeah. only. <laughs> Same room girls night. Woo. The ultimate in chaos. But yeah, yes. yeah. So I had um my video in the last couple of weeks was the Halloween special on <laughs> werewolves. <laughs> I'm really digging the like the soundboard effects. <laughs> it's all you know. I I don't have a lucrative career as a foley artist, but I I like to think that I can provide a few additional um, punches. You know, some some jazzy effects. Of course, of course, yeah. Spicing it up a little. Spicing it up because you know there's nothing spicier than a good werewolf. No, oh, yeah, yeah. The spiciest of the Halloween monsters. Mm-hmm, I think we can mm-hmm. all agree. Um, yeah, so uh, a few people clued in that this was coming because I've been talking about researching werewolves for like six months now because, mm-hmm. oh boy, this one's <laughs> been in the works for a while. Um, yeah, it was um, it was really cool. There was a lot of stuff there. Um, and uh, I got some help early on. I, I don't remember what exactly I tweeted. It was something about, uh, I, I think it was of the, uh, I have done nothing but do x for three days meme format but it was research werewolves of course and like three different people tagged uh a person uh in our replies who uh is a werewolf scholar and then about two hours later i got an email from said (laughs) werewolf scholar who was like hey um i hear you're researching werewolves do you need any assistance i am a licensed werewolf scholar and i was like yes please also (laughs) your life sounds really cool can i have it that Um, is a career that um what I thought was it only existed in my wildest dreams, mm-hmm. but it's in fact apparently a very viable option. The real world Van Helsing's, oh. um, but yeah. So uh, uh, she was a huge help. Uh, I I linked for various things in the uh, description of the video. We can probably drop a couple of yeah. In we'll drop yeah. some links in the show notes um, below. Yeah, uh, gave, gave me some great help in uh, accumulating visual references because there's a lot of wolf looking humanoid stuff in classical art, but like you know. How much of that is actually werewolves, mm-hmm. quote unquote. Um, so yeah, it was really helpful. It gave me a lot of help uh, to just kind of find my way through the morass of information about <laughs> werewolves and lack thereof. Um, and uh, it was cool. The script kept getting longer. <laughs> um, and when I when I sent it to Blue, I was like, oh my god, it's way too long. This video is going to be half an hour. And he was like, <laughs> well, you could cut this part. And I was like, no, we need that part. It's important. Um, I... Uh, the, the one part that I was considering actually cutting was the uh, bit about the Malleus Maleficarum because, mm. you know, the Witch Hunt era's main con- contribution to werewolf lore was basically, it was in the general umbrella of stuff that the witch hunters didn't like and thus discouraged. Mm-hmm. But, like, I was like, is this really important? I was like, no, it's super important. This guy, you know, <laughs> the story of Heinrich Kramer is actually very important because, I mean, it's so basic you know yeah. it's like oh this guy uh someone in the comments was like wow i can't believe the whole witch hunts were started by some guy having a woman living rent free in his head <laughs> and it's like but is any of us really surprised it's like oh i can't believe the guy who invented the witch hunt was actually a misogynistic piece of shit this wow. is the craziest thing shocking yeah it's like yeah. when people are like oh you know we 
we can like separate the creator from their work. It's like, yeah, but sometimes, you know, the creation comes from the, the person who made it for a reason. <laughs> anyway, I was yeah. so glad I got in that little separate the art from the artist dig. It was just like, <laughs> my favorite joke in the whole bit. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, it was, um, it was a good time. It, it, uh, it was quite well received. It yes. trended pretty high. I think it got as high as number eight, actually. Wow. Um, so that was quite cool. Uh, <laughs> and it's kind of still bobbing along rather high above the average view waterline. I mean, um, werewolves, the fan favorites, you know, they've, I think something you did really well in this video is that you gave us a good continuity of like showing the origin of werewolves and mm. how they've sort of changed over time, especially since, you know, I think as, as a movie fan, my most potent idea of a werewolf comes from like two places and it's right. Twilight New Moon and Teen Wolf from the <laughs> oh. 90s. So getting the continuity and like the history of how the tropes we know have developed and like where in Hollywood they first popped up as opposed to where in local folklore, I think was a really valuable perspective because again, Two very distinct werewolves. Oh, absolutely. For some reason, when you were like, as a movie buff, my brain went, ah, oh, yes, of course, The Wolfman, 1941. And then you were like, Twilight New Moon. Twilight like, New Moon. Mm, that's right, yes. You know I mean, uh, were you not Team Jacob? Because I was. Well, here's the problem. Uh, ever since uh, Amanda the Jedi brought up the possibility of Team Alice, I've been on mm. Team Alice. But uh, uh, yes. of the two, I was like, I'd go with Jacob. But then they were like, Jacob's an abusive piece of shit. And I was like, well, now I don't like any of them, all right? Are you happy? I'm Team Neither. Oh, my God. When we were in town for the wedding... I stopped in at like a like a bubble tea place and they had two tip jars with mm. Team Edward and Team Jacob. <laughs> and I briefly considered not leaving a tip because I was like, I don't know if I want to condone either of these people. I left a tip. I put it in Team Edward. Uh, <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, um, anyway, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, tracing the lineage was cool. Although, like, obviously like I kind of brought up in the video, werewolves were kind of an omnipresent piece mm-hmm. of folklore. And like a lot of people in the comments brought up like, you know, in, in regions without wolves, you would still get things like were hyenas or were tigers or other animal shapeshifters. Uh, and, and like the base concept of person who turns into primary predatory animal, that is almost universal. But like, I, I had to specify, it was already <laughs> half an hour long. <laughs> there was only so much I could do. Um, but there is a certain amount of continuity of just like the pop culture attitude towards werewolves, even if local folklore is a little bit different. Uh, and, you know, there were a lot of people in the comments bringing up like their local werewolf legends mm-hmm. and, and like specifics from that, which is quite cool, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just a little bit difficult to like narrow in on what I wanted to use as like what was representative because, of course, mm-hmm. you know, folklore can get extremely granular. It's like one village can have very different lore from the next village over. And <laughs> then, you know, 200 years later, you're looking at some consolidation of folklore and someone had to make the decision of like, which of these stories are we going to make the story that everybody uses, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So I think I, I managed to at least trace an evolution that I was kind of happy with without trying to lock in too much stuff. I, I was hoping to communicate that at each point there was no single werewolf story. So it's like, you know, at the same time you're getting Beast Cleverette, you know, you're also getting uh, the, um, let's see, that was 10 and 1200s. That was like kind of post-Christianization. So that was when you were getting the, oh, werewolves are like, maybe a little bit devilly, but like mostly they're just, oh, we, we don't think they're real. We're mostly arguing about that. And then at the same time, you're getting like the legends and the lore about, oh, this is an Arthurian knight who was a straight up werewolf, like a <laughs> real werewolf. He, he was a wolf for a while. Um, yes. That was quite cool. Uh, <laughs> wasn't expecting that one. Um, yeah, overall, it was, a, it was a really fun process to research. I, I really like the deep dive video. Anything where I need to break out the cork board, you know? Ooh, yes. Gotta <laughs> yeah. get that get that thread on there. Mm-hmm. Put some post-it notes up. Yep. Wolf. 
<laughs> on one corner. Man, man on the, on the other. other. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it was a, it's a really fun video. I, I love wait, whenever you come with these deep dives because uh, unlike Blue's videos, which are sometimes give editing notes on, yours are always a, a bit of a surprise. So it's always <laughs> exciting for me when I'm like, ooh, what will she have to say on werewolves today? <laughs> yeah. Um, but we're, we're coming up on time for this section. So uh, ah, just yes. before we transition over to the Q&A and continue this girls night <laughs> uh, just a quick announcement that next episode we'll be joined by Dominic Noble so if you have any questions for him about his content yes. please drop them and ask OSPod Do it. Uh, but I believe that is all that we have and of course congrats to Blue and Cyan yes yes of course um, of course shall we cons- can we go to the Q&A yeah let's let's ooh, pivot to the Q&A portion Hello and welcome to the Q&A portion of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast, where we answer your questions from Ask OS Pod on Discord. Uh, normally, at the beginning of this episode, since it is episode 30, and every five episodes we do the lightning round, we would do a lightning round, but because Blue is not with us today, we're going to postpone that till next episode, so it's still happening. Feel free to drop more pieces of media and content or whatever in the lightning round sort of tag in Ask OS Pod, but it will be happening next episode, not this one. Now, this first question today comes from one of our lovely, lovely patrons. If you want to support the podcast, support the channel, help keep the lights on, uh, help finance our recovery from Blue and Cyan's wedding, (laughs) please consider becoming a patron and have a chance for your question to be read first on the future episode. This question comes from Dumbass Demisexual to all on the USS Sarcastic. Who would be captain? Who would be chief medical? And who would be science officer? Now, I specifically asked this one because I know that you've been watching uh, TNG. TNG, And I'm a huge Trek fan, and I know Blue has not seen any of it, so I figured this is the appropriate time to ask this question. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, this is because I spent an hour talking about TNG the other night, isn't it? (laughs) I mean, who doesn't? Yeah, of course, of course. Uh, well, so, so the roles we're filling are captain, chief medical, and science officer specifically. Mm, okay, yeah, that that, yes. that does make things easier. It makes Let's things see. a little easier, rather than opening the whole crew, because if that's yeah. an option, we got so much to talk of about. Of course, yes. yes. Um, I feel like color coordination and personality-wise, <laughs> I would indeed like to be captain. I think it's, it's between you and Blue for captain. Yeah, I could yeah. see, if we're going for like a... a Fearless warrior once more into the breach, sort of a let's go explore kind of captain. That's you could more... just say a Kirk type. I won't be that crushed. <laughs> I think in terms of likelihood to quote Shakespeare randomly, you and Picard are probably balanced. Yes, actually. <laughs> You're probably more a Janeway type, but I know you haven't watched Voyager yet. So. I watched one episode of Voyager. I liked the little bit of Janeway I saw. My girl. Uh, <laughs> but no, I, I think you being captain makes sense. Um, yeah, let's see. And then it was uh, chief medical and she in science. Yeah. If if we're going with like the Spock type of science officer, where it's sort of just like the right hand to the captain, that's probably fitting in for Blue. It's got to be. Yeah. 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 He's a good balancing uh, presence. Yes. Like the the trick is that both Blue and I are entirely extra in fully opposing ways. Yes. Whichever <laughs> like whenever one of us has like you know something that we're really passionate about, the other one provides a moderating influence, which is good. Because mostly it's me. Mostly it's me having very strong opinions about <laughs> random things. And Blue's like, cool, okay, just take a deep breath. But on the rare occasion yes. <laughs> that Blue gets tilted about something, I have to be the one who's like, all right, let's 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 chill a little bit. It's a it's a mutual answer dynamic. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's your, 
At, well, that's more Kirk and Spock than it is um, Picard and Riker. Yeah. Picard and Riker are more like two halves of the same character yes. because they, they took the Kirk <laughs> archetype and they were like, like, it's actually dumb for this guy to constantly be leading the away teams. So we're going to carve off the, the the looks and the tendency to, to bone hot aliens <laughs> and we're going to make that the first officer. Yes. And then we're going to keep the, the inspiring speeches and make that the captain. Yes, well, we did... <laughs> <laughs> the casting also, I feel like, had to inform so much of that. Oh, I mean, hundo percent. It's <laughs> really weird. Have Sir Patrick Stewart in a leading role, you can't not have him give inspiring speeches. Which is funny because if you watch early in season one, you almost get the feeling that they didn't realize what they had. Like yeah. it felt like what they were trying to do with Picard was more that he was kind of like grumpy, and they were kind of leaning into the oh, he doesn't like kids thing more. So like mm-hmm. he doesn't like that they have people on the ship who aren't you know crew members. But Wesley. like yeah, mostly Wesley. But then like. Within, like, five episodes, his sheer charisma just, like, reshaped the character. And suddenly, it's like, (laughs) you know, is this a dagger I see before me? (laughs) Suddenly, he's just like, they're like, we found a random excuse to put more Henry V in this episode, just so we can let Picard do his thing. Yeah, (laughs) and then, of course, you know, obviously, everyone knows that TNG gets good after Riker grows the beard. Mm-hmm. TNG gets statistically more good <laughs> per episode. It's still a bit of a toss-up, but it's better odds after he grows the beard. Yes, but the beard little... is key to character development. But it's a little startling because in the first few seasons, like you know, face. beardless Riker actually kind of looks a lot like William Shatner. <laughs> so much so. Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, yeah. Yes. So I think yeah, Chief Medical. Chief Medical. I do relate to Bones on a deep, oh, of course deep you level. do. <laughs> Just sort of like along for the ride, but grumbling the whole time is very much my uh, yeah. Emma. <laughs> I feel like we've 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 unfortunately aligned ourselves more with original Treks uh, yes. general casting crew. I think the problem with TNG is that almost all the interesting personalities go into like the more supporting, mm-hmm. like you know Jordy and, and Jordy Worf and, and Data. Data and yeah, Worf. yeah. So it's like, and those guys are fun because they don't have to be in charge. The problem is yes. TNG's crew is like better at crewing a starship. Like mm-hmm. they do their jobs better. <laughs> yes, they're actually like functionally, um, yes, <laughs> boldly going where no man has gone before. Yeah, uh, as opposed to the original track where it's very much, uh, it, it, let's it's fight the alien this week. It's just, it's like, oh yeah, let's have the captain go off and yes. lead the away mission with a crew of disposable <laughs> red shirts. Like TNG can go several episodes without somebody randomly dying horribly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Anyway, yeah, I think yes. I think we've got that sorted. Got red is the captain, oh. blue is uh, science. He's the Spock type. Spock type, <laughs> and then I will grumpily settle into my role as the ride-along doctor. Yeah, the, the damn it Jim one. <laughs> yes, damn it Jim. I, I think, again, part of the reason why Star Trek Beyond is the best of the new movies is because that's the only one where the crew actually briefly functions as a crew, mm. and that's why the sabotage scene is the distilled essence of what makes that movie good, because they're all working as a unit, and the music <laughs> is banging. Woo! That's really all I need. My boy Mikey G! Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, Beastie Boys, come on. Okay, yes, but... (laughs) Obviously, Mikey G is also provided by Michael Giacchino. Yes, yes, Just pour one out for my mans. Yes. Um, (laughs) We'll move on to another question. Um, This one comes from Silver Magpie. Uh, Red's given a lot of amazing writing advice for stories on the pod, but Mm. to all, how would you modify that advice for writing a TTRPG plot? Indigo, you're a DM. Feel free to join in. I feel like I should point out that I'm not actually really a DM. <laughs> um, I have DM'd before, mm. but not uh, for particularly long and mostly for one shots. But yes. um, yeah, how would you modify like writing advice for if you're trying to create this world that you're going to have people playing in very actively? You know, how do you make it um, less of a structured, planned story and mm. more malleable? 
Yeah, well, that is, of course, very tricky. Uh, Again, first caveat, I have never DM'd a single thing in my life. The concept terrifies me. Um, (laughs) But uh, the way I feel that this works in TTRPG specifically is that it is essentially the most character-driven form of storytelling. You know, Mm -hmm. like, you construct a universe, but ultimately the story that's being told is a a mass group improv session from people that are sticking to a single character, you know? So essentially at any point, point the the direction the plot takes is determined by what each of the characters thinks Mm -hmm. is right to do in any given moment as the dm or the world builder it's essentially just your job to give them a good area to play in um Mm -hmm. now of course as the dm it is also your job to provide them with conflict and plot hooks um now of course a plot hook is not the same thing as a plot a plot hook is something that pulls a character towards the plot Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that you railroad them onto the plot. Again, the characters need to choose to engage with the story the way they're engaging it. Like, you know, you can railroad a little bit. It's like, if you are playing a game and you construct a character who has no reason to participate in the adventure, that's (laughs) not good on your part. Like, it might be a fun character, but like, on some level, you know... It's like, again, circling back to TNG, it's like everyone on that ship (laughs) needs a reason to want to be on that starship, you know? You you can't make a character who's just like, what's up, I'm I'm Joe, I'm a barista, and I live on Earth, and I never want to go to space. It's like, okay, cool, you're never going to be in an episode of Star Trek, that's fine. Yeah, Um, and I think that's where it gets a really good point with when you're writing, like, a TTRPG plot you're not writing it alone you're writing it with your players Mm -hmm. so it's there's nothing wrong with like what i did when the one campaign i ran again (laughs) i'm not really a dm i'm typically a player but uh i sat down with each of my players kind of before session zero and i was like okay tell me a little bit about like what kind of plots you would want to see your character get into because that helps me plan what sort of plot hooks to provide them and then the players fill in a lot of those details they Mm -hmm. make decisions that lead to interesting problems and situations uh, based on the world that's built. So, you know, in, in sort of like indifferent from how you're writing a story and you sit down with your characters and you're like, here's what I want to put you through. You have other people to get that situation you're putting them through from. So yep. it's not necessarily all on you. It's, it's a much more collaborative medium. And I think keeping that in mind when you're trying to come up with your, your story and your world building is really helpful in a TTRPG setting as opposed to a story that you might not, you might be writing solo. You might not be like, you know, writing it as a group. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, a lot of the the hardest part of DMing is sort of balancing the control you have with the control you don't have. Mm-hmm. Because, of course, you control the world, the actions of the NPCs, to a certain extent what happens to the characters, but you can't control the decisions your players make. Right. And the players do have a responsibility to, like, kind of play along, you know, <laughs> yes and a little bit. It is mm-hmm. a group improv session. Yes and is the cardinal rule of improv and also the only one I know. Commit to the bit. Improv has never been my scene, you see. I prefer a script. <laughs> uh, but the point is... As the DM, there's stuff you can do. As the player, there's stuff you can do. Um, The world building is where things get tricky. Because ultimately, because as the DM, you cannot determine where the characters are going to go. You can only nudge them in certain directions. It... eh, There's always going to be an element of chance. You know, there Mm -hmm. is the chance that the characters will choose the direction that you haven't mapped out at all. Um, But in general, again, and if you're working with a group that are kind of like aware of the fact that they need to provide you with the plot hooks that you're going to use later, Mm -hmm. um, you can probably get a lot of mileage just out of building out like their specific backstory elements. Like, you know, if you have a character who's like, I come from this bad situation and (laughs) there are these characters in my backstory, you know, whatever, then you probably want to build them out and maybe have them be problems. Like 
so, mm-hmm. some characters. Uh, <laughs> um, this is a term that I got from my parents from their old days in uh, in playing like AD and D and further. Yes, I have all my AD and D books sitting right behind oh, us right now. Gorgeous. Um, but uh, <laughs> basically, they they there was this thing that they called donning the coat of plot hooks, mm. where <laughs> if you have a character whose whole vibe is like, here DM. Do whatever you want with this, because it's like, oh, you know, you have a character with like amnesia or mm-hmm. like any kind of mysterious past, or uh, a character who's being hunted by a specific group or person, or a character who's escaped from a specific situation. Just anything that leads to a very easy story of like, hey, the story this week is we're gonna deal with that. Yeah. Um, almost all of you are probably at least tangentially aware of Critical Role. Mm-hmm. Most of those characters have at least one big obvious plot yes. hook in their backstory. Uh, Liam O'Brien really likes playing characters <sighs> oh, with Liam. huge obvious plot hooks <laughs> oh, dangling Liam. off of them. Um, I suppose with the Sam Regal approach, which is like, I'm gonna make you super sad in episode 120. Yeah. <laughs> Sam Regal's all about the planting and the payoff. Um, <laughs> yes, I think that's actually kind of an interesting point to come on to, too, because, you know, as much as the DM is writing the story, the players are as well, and mm-hmm. I feel like there are really two kinds of characters your players can bring to the table. There's oops all plot hooks and yeah. then there's oops all archetype where it's just like this is a character in the pure sense of the word you can like, just say travis willingham it's okay <laughs> i can say travis willingham but travis willingham is also how i play D&D. yeah of course <laughs> it's it's the fun yeah. way yeah it's um, the fun way where you're like here's the character i just kind of want to see how they react to the world and mm-hmm. i think having a mix of those two things in your party is really important yeah. so you know maybe when you're sitting down with your players if you're noticing that you only have oops all plot hooks or mm. you only have another one just be ready to adjust for that when you're writing your story. Because if you yeah. have oops all plot hooks, you probably don't need to write any plot hooks. No, <laughs> you're probably going to be not. pretty set. But if you have oops all, you know, Travis Willingham, yeah, <laughs> probably going to need to do a little bit more work to get plot hooks for them to yeah. get interested in. And usually your players will play along. But... Essentially, a plot hook is a reason a character has to engage with mm-hmm. the plot. That's ultimately all that it is. Uh, and even then, you know, there are. There are always more than one way for a character to respond to a situation. Even if you're just tugging on a character's plot hook, like, hey, this mysterious stranger at the bar looks an awful lot like, (laughs) you know, your old buddy from your days back in the slave pits or whatever the fuck. (laughs) Like, the character can choose to go over and talk to the person like Mm -hmm. you clearly want them to do, or the character can be like, oh, absolutely the fuck not, and run the other direction. Like, either of those could easily be in character for whoever they are based on the reaction. You know, again, you you can't just plan for one contingency, but Mm -hmm. you also can't most people do not realistically have enough energy to world build yes. an entire functional world for everybody do not to hang try out. and make like a, a mind yeah. map of every possible decision <laughs> your players could make because no. they will immediately make the one thing you didn't think of yeah you always just gotta roll with the punches that's the mm-hmm. thing it is improv you gotta be flexible yeah um so i think it's really valuable to understand like the vibe of your world and what does and doesn't make sense within the mm-hmm. world building you've created because yeah. i think that will make you much more able to react on the fly uh, but I think kind of to answer the question, how to write a TTRPG <laughs> game is to not write a TTRPG game. Yeah. <laughs> um, to ju- to do the world building that you need to do uh, in order to run the session, but to kind of be ready to make a lot of it up as you go. And honestly, I've played with a lot of different DMs in my somewhat limited TTRPG career. And <laughs> The sessions that are oops all improv sometimes be, end up being some of the most fun. So as long as your players are still having a good time at the end of the day, don't try to concern yourself with writing like the perfect session because yeah. it's a game. <laughs> and also like j- just as a kind of quick side note, every mm-hmm. group is different. You know, yeah. it is it is a story that you are collectively building with all these other people. It's going to be different depending on, you know, everyone's preferences, everyone's personal play styles and everyone's comfort levels. So like what 
what swings really well in one group might be a little bit different in another mm-hmm. group. So again, there's there's no hard and fast rule. There's no one way to DM. Anyone who's like played in more than one D&D game will know every yep. D&D game is so different. Even yeah. if you have the entirely same crew. I mean, again, Critical Role Season 3 just started <laughs> yes. and everyone's already noticing that the energy is so wildly different than it was at any Ugh. point in Season 2. Um, it's it's really cool. There's a lot. But like, again, there, there's no rule. Yeah. You, you kind of just got to build up your it's kind of like it's like what you're asking is like how do i get really good at like this specific kind of gymnastics routine or like fighting style or something Mm -hmm. and it's like well uh you build up your your muscle memory and your reflexes and then you go with the flow and you roll with the punches like i can't tell you how to win this fight it's less like (laughs) olympic floor routine and more like parkour guy on tiktok you know yeah you're you're really trying to go with the flow Uh uh-huh you gotta Uh, react to the fact that sometimes the building's in a different place than you thought it was (laughs) this metaphor is great (laughs) i think okay this is one of those questions that it's kind of hard to give a definitive answer for but i think what we're trying to get at is like be ready to go with the flow yeah yeah if trying to feel the vibe, plot put, put plot hooks in, feel the vibe of your players, yep. go with the flow. You'll have a, and just try and have a good time and at the end of the day. It's always good to give yourself multiple options too. Yes. Like, and also you can cheat. Like, mm-hmm. if if the plot hook you need your characters to interact with is behind one of three doors, you can just have it be behind the door they pick. All right, it can like be behind all three doors. Yeah, even. yeah. You you don't you. This is not a Monty Hall situation. No, you can give them the illusion of choice and actually just tell the story. You I mean, again, you're not railroading. You're not, don't like make it so that their decision has no impact. But like for individual yes. things where it's like, I need you to meet this character. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you become their best friend or murder them. I just need you to meet them. Yes. Then you can make that happen. Like you're the DM. You do get to control the world and every other NPC. You know, you can Truman show it up a little bit to orchestrate the situation you need. It's just the characters also need to have some agency in the world. Um, most DMs speak with derision of the rocks fall, everyone dies <laughs> approach to DMing when the DM yes. can simply choose to knock over the sand castle and not play anymore. Don't be that guy and you'll probably be okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. TTRPGs are a lot of fun and everyone should try them at least once. Yes. Anyway. Uh, I actually will bring <laughs> oh. up a quick question you sent me from the list of oh boy. questions directed at yes, you. I feel awkward reading all the questions directed to Indigo Aloud on normal episodes because it feels weird to ask only myself a question. So yes. I gave read the list of all of them and said that she could pick some. <laughs> yes. Um, and I'll go easy and start with the first Ooh, one. Uh, wow. Solomon Splinewine asks to Indigo, how does it feel to be the only non-asexual on the pod? <laughs> P.S. Non-asexual is an interesting double negative. The technical term is allosexual because yes. non-ace feels exclusionary, you see. Anyway. Yes. Uh, well, it feels pretty much the same as uh, <laughs> everything else about being on the podcast. Um, no, no, it's, you know. An outsider. Estranged <laughs> and alone in a cruel it world. It just means that I get, like, final say on who's hot and who's not, I feel like. You know, like, if I, we're looking at a character like, this character's sexy, I can be like, yeah, they're sexy. Or, no, they're not. So that's the only real, I think... <laughs> We've been arguing difference? about Jonathan in the Mummy. I look. For like he's three not as hot as Rick, and Ardith and Evie, but he's not not hot. Mm, okay. <laughs> I'm just saying. I know which of those guys I wouldn't draw. <laughs> no offense to the man. There's nothing wrong with being not aesthetically pleasing or not on the level of Ardith Bay, Ardith Hard Eyes Emoji Bay, Ardeth as I call him. Emoji Bay. Um. That's pretty good. Um, no, no. I I love my uh, my co-hosts and fellow crew and 
however they choose to experience love and sexual <laughs> attraction is up to them and otherwise doesn't really color our relationships at all because as far as I'm aware none of us are uh, dating except for Blue and Cyan who are married yeah so. that's not really dating anymore <laughs> yeah I guess that's moved beyond yeah. the bounds of that I do believe basically the only thing is that um Blue Sign and I regularly forget that other people genuinely experience yes. sexual attraction <laughs> and that it's not like a joke or like um uh, what's the word? Uh, a plot device <laughs> to make stories more complicated. Mm. So, like, periodically, so, like, something will happen and we'll be like, oh, yeah, that's a real thing. <laughs> and, like, you know. <laughs> I'm sitting over here like, man, I think that uh, <laughs> Trevor Belmont's a real stone-cold hottie. <laughs> <laughs> Analysis. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that doesn't, yes, it doesn't really help. <laughs> He's a legit snack. How <laughs> <laughs> much pussy does a motherfucker get? Oh. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's pretty much the only. Uh, I, I really this really doesn't color our relationship yeah. all that much. I would I'll say. be like, everyone in Castlevania is pretty, and you're like, Trevor Belmont can do unspeakable things to me. And I'm like, oh, cool. We're okay. having I two mean, slightly they are different all conversations. Pretty, but yes, it's slightly different um, dimension. D- dimensions. Yeah, there's different planes that these conversations are happening on. Yeah, it's like the whole. Hmm, I feel like we're saying the same thing, but meaning yes. very different things by it. Yes. It's funny because we end up liking a lot of the same characters, but for different reasons. When I was rewatching Avatar and like I saw June and I was like, oh no, this is my indigo moment. This is my, this is a hot person who drinks beer and uses whips. Hot person drink beer, use whip. Yeah. Excellent. Yep. Um, I think I just like uh, cranky brunettes is, the, <laughs> is what I've learned <laughs> between the entire cast of the mummy and Trump every and single early two thousand emo hot boy. Every, every anyone who has the same haircut as um the Casey Jones from the two thousand three Ninja yep. Turtles yep. series. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. Good times. Awesome. Um, <laughs> well, I hope that answered your question because I'm still just as lost as always. I mean, ain't that the ain't that the truth? Ain't that just uh, the way? This next question comes from oh boy, Bang Sun San. Okay. To whom it may concern, <laughs> when watching anime or similar non-English media, do you use dub or sub? Any specific Ooh. reasoning? Are you a dub girl or a sub girl? <laughs> oh, boy, yeah. This won't get reddit on my ass. Uh, it really depends on the individual story. Yeah. Um, Blue and I were talking about this a little bit when we were streaming Assassin's Creed a week or so ago. Um, uh, like... If a show came out before, like, 2005, mm-hmm. I'm of the opinion that the dub has no chance of being yeah. good. Like, I here's the thing. Here's the thing. I know there are exceptions. I have watched the Cowboy Bebop dub, all yes. right? The Cowboy Bebop dub overall is not actually all that good. It's just that um, Steve Blum is a really good voice mm-hmm. actor, so he pulls off Spike Spiegel. Well, everyone else, if you listen for it, they're pretty flat. Like... And, and part of the problem is because of my job, I have developed an ear for this and I can't <laughs> unhear bad vocal performances now. So like there are things that I didn't even notice when I was younger that now it would just like, I'll, I'll be able to hear like, okay, this person sounds like they're reading from a script or like I can, I can like see them in the recording booth right now, you know? It, right. There's a level of suspension of disbelief that you lose when you start shifting into a more professional space. And because of that, my standards for dub quality are a little bit, different um Mm -hmm. and it is more difficult to tell when a sub is bad because even if i do understand some japanese it's not a language i'm as familiar with as english it's harder for me to distinguish the tone and gauge a a performance's quality Mm -hmm. that said uh (laughs) before like 2005 anime dubbing was kind of the wild west (laughs) there were individually very good people in it and uh part of the reason why cowboy bebop works is because uh it had i think i think mary elizabeth mcglynn was like the voice director on it i think so and she's really good at that stuff so like 
you know, having a good voice director is critical for a, a dub to be good. Mm-hmm. And before they'd really gotten the hang of it, it was almost impossible to be good at that. Um, and yes. that meant that you could have individually pretty good performances, but if the director's not good, the actors are not going to have any guide. Like, that's... Yeah. It, it's like, you know, if you're watching a movie and everyone's bad, the director's actually bad. The actors are just doing their best. Um. Yeah, I think they also had a tendency to do more, like, alterations and localization in the mm-hmm. dub in the, like, 90s and early 2000s than they necessarily do now. Yeah, um, it, yes. I've been recently re-watching Sailor Moon with one of the greats. Mm. Because, uh, speaking of <laughs> floppy-haired brunette Sandra Darker. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about Tuxedo Mask up in here. But, oh, of course, of course. <laughs> yeah, we've been watching it in the sub because the dub is... A time. Oh, oh. Uh, it's not the worst, but <laughs> it's it, not the worst. It could be better, but they changed uh, quite a bit. You know, yes. They were doing that thing where they would rename characters to have like more local English names and so. the cousins. And the Let's cousins. Not forget that. <sighs> oh, God, don't oh. get me started on the cousins. Um, to no. credit, they did actually. There, there's one episode, one of the only episodes I've seen, where, <laughs> I, as I understand it, in the dub, they rewrote it to try and make it less of a problem because yeah. the plot of the episode is uh, about dieting and exercise. Mm. Um, <laughs> And uh, Usa- uh, Usagi, I mean, what, what's her name in the dub? Uh, Serena in the Serena? dub. Serena? Okay, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, I don't even mind that that much. Uh, <laughs> At least it's moon related. She basically spends the whole episode, like, being made fun of by her parents for being fat. <laughs> and it's like... Yeah, I think I just watched that one in the sub. It's a little... In the sub especially, because, like, by the end of the episode, it's, you know, status quo is restored. No lessons were learned. But, like, everyone is still poking fun of her for being chubby. And it's like... You know, I'm pretty confident in my body at this point, but if I'd watched this any year prior, I think I would have gotten some issues. Yeah. So in the dub instead, like they add a little PSA of like, don't over diet and exercise. You know, your body is beautiful. It's like, I honestly have no problems with adding that message to this episode. <laughs> But yes. that's the exception. That's and not like the, the, rule. the lawful good addition to yeah. the otherwise the chaotic, chaotic the, the, the evil neutral ends. evil addition of their cousins. They're that's why they're so that's close. It's like, mm, okay, yeah, that's not how I act around my cousins, bro. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but to, to kind of get back to the question, right, yeah, uh, so. I'm d- kind of agree with you. Like pre 2005, subs all the way. Mm. Um, when I'm watching foreign movies, it's always sub for me. I don't like dub versions of even if they're made recently, like foreign films um because yeah. i feel like it, th- you lose something there um when especially if they have like uh, some of these like netflix reality shows i don't know how much <laughs> you've been watching like not so much. the circle and too hot to handle don't neither of nobody those at things. me for that i but. don't even know what those are <laughs> mm, they're trashy but oh good <laughs> they do versions of them that take place in like brazil and they have like a hilarious english dub of it where it's mm. it's not the actual contestants on the show it's voice actors they paid to come in of and course, like speak over it it's very funny Ooh. so if you want to actually experience the show like as it is you should watch it so but yeah. if you want to laugh a little bit the dubs there are kind of fun but generally like foreign films any anime pre-2005 sub yeah more recent anime i watch in the dub a lot of the times because i like to do other things while i'm watching it and i don't understand japanese yeah i will look up uh sometimes for comparison again because you mm-hmm. know i have a like semi-professional interest in this uh, i'll look up comparisons between episodes dubbed or subbed um, the most stark difference I can think of, uh, I've mentioned this before, is Yu-Gi-Oh. Yes. Um, when I first oh. watched Yu-Gi-Oh, <laughs> it was almost impossible to get it subbed anywhere online. Uh-huh. Uh, I was only watching it dubbed. And when I did find it subbed, it was like a fan sub yeah. and it was a really bad translation. <laughs> but, you know, they, they've now officially released the sub version. Mm-hmm. And um, the soundtrack is completely different. And I like the dub soundtrack better, which is really annoying because in all <laughs> other qualities, the sub is better. <laughs> But the, yeah. the, the sub score is like 
kind of synth pop electronica, mm-hmm. whereas the dub score actually kind of sounds ethereal and ancient, <laughs> like it should for being about ancient Egypt. I think Yu-Gi-Oh falls into that one like special exception category for me of like this is an anime that I watched as a child and before mm-hmm. I had any concept of the difference between like an anime versus a cartoon. Right. And so I always watch that in the dub. Yeah, but also like Yu-Gi-Oh's dumb as hell, and Yu-Gi-Oh's I accept that. Like there is no good version of Yu-Gi-Oh. There's just there's Yu-Gi-Oh. only like transcendent versions of Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah. I'll stand by Capsule Monsters and the Atlantis filler arc, all right? At least those have stakes. I always forget how much Duke Devlin continues to be in the show after he's introduced. It's always like, oh yeah, he's just still here. Yeah, he's not even part of the main squad. He's just the only one with a car. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> I love him so much. I think that might be my Halloween costume next oh, year. Oh, God. <laughs> be rolling up. See the headband and some dice. I got that. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, yeah. So yes. dub versus sub. Dub versus I, sub. I mentioned in the um in the stream that uh when I was watching Slayers semi recently, mm. I watched it mostly subbed, and I did look up the dub of a couple episodes just kind of out of curiosity because Slayers um Slayers is like a multimedia franchise. There are like books mm-hmm. that the anime is nominally based on, and then there's like light novels or something. And essentially, there were three seasons of the anime, and then uh, from like the '90s, and then there were two more seasons of the anime mm. from like 2008. Which is weird, because the way they've colored and shaded anime has changed in that time. So everyone's a lot shinier in the new version. <laughs> yes. Anyway. Uh, I've been rewatching One Piece, uh, uh. because I keep talking to Daniel Green more than usual. <laughs> and, uh... <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, wow, the 90s animation is so charming. It's got this, like, old, like, fuzz to it. And then mm-hmm. I watched some clips from the more recent stuff. I'm like, wow, it's so shiny. Everyone's, <laughs> they, they added, like, a highlight layer. Yeah. <laughs> Normally, it's just line art and flat colors and cell shading. But now they've added a cell highlighting layer. But, um... The, the problem with uh, Slayers is when it came out in the 90s, uh, the voice direction wasn't good. Mm. So, like, every actor is performing, but they all sound like they're in completely different shows from one another. So, like, one of them sounds yeah. like she's in, like, a Looney Tunes cartoon, and Crispin Freeman is in there giving it his all, but even then, like, he's kind of, like, he's sort of over-enunciating all of his words for some <laughs> oh, reason. No. It's a little weird. Uh, and then um, Eric Stewart, the voice of Kaiba, oh. <laughs> yeah, is playing Gowry Gabriev, my favorite himbo, but unfortunately, mm. he's just not doing a very Aww. good job. There's a bit, there's, like, a really dramatic episode where that character gets kidnapped, and then the <gasps> sub, it's like, oh, no, I'm really worried, and then the dub, it's like, ah, and the whole time he's getting dragged <laughs> off, and I was like, well, now I just feel silly for being emotionally invested in this. Um, but that actually, that episode's great because uh, this villain, this one-shot villain shows up and uh, his voice actor is acting everyone else under the table. <laughs> He's just absolutely killing it. And I was like, who the fuck is this guy? So I was looking up, like, you know, behind the voice actors, yeah. Red Dragon, what's his name? And it's uh, it's voice actor Dan Green. Not to be confused <laughs> with YouTuber confused with Daniel, Daniel Green. Green. <laughs> it's voice actor Dan Green, voice of Yugi and Yami Yugi from yes, the Yu-Gi-Oh! dub. Yes. And he's killing it. He's killing like, it. he's like giving like a Shakespearean performance <laughs> and everyone else is like, there's no way I'll let you do that. He's picarding it up. He's picarding it up. And Please then, make that a verb now. Uh, yeah. If someone is outperforming all of their cast members, they are picarding, picarding it, it up. Or Brent Spinering, but yeah, yes. picarding. Picarding. Picarding um, rolls off the tongue. Yes, yes. Uh, and uh, and then he gets like KO'd by another villain who also acts everyone else under the table. I was like, who the fuck is this guy? And I looked him up and it's the voice of Joey Wheeler. Oh, Joey. <laughs> this is before Yu-Gi-Oh, by the way. Yes. It was just like a little pre-reunion, mm-hmm, a pre-union, mm-hmm. you could say. <laughs> anyway, the short yes. answer is I don't have a categorical preference between dub or subs because I recognize that they are all just actors doing their best. Yes. But in each individual case, usually I like one better than the other. The only exception to the rule is Fullmetal Alchemist Brotherhood, where I think both of them are equally good mm-hmm. in different ways. 
And watching one after the other is cool because it's kind of like you're re-experiencing the show for the first time. And you get to hear the dulcet tones of Travis Willingham. Yes, but if you're watching the sub, you do not, sadly. No, tragic. Yes. But Ed sounds like way more of a little shit in that version, and I like it a lot better. <laughs> yes, that's He actually true. comes across as like an edgy 15-year-old. It's quality. Um, oh, you love to see it. Yeah. Uh, well, we're coming up on time. Oh, crap. I think we have time for one more question. All right. Which one of us will beat the other to pulling oh, one up? no. <laughs> Let's see if I can find a good one. Um, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. On this episode, Red does Indigo's job. Ah! <laughs> Why did you give me one of these questions that's written in Chinese? Oh, <laughs> I can't read Chinese. <laughs> Whoops. Ah. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, this could be fun, I guess. Oh, boy. Uh, Lidster, I think that's what it is, says, To anyone who wants to answer, but mostly Indigo, I was recently forced to watch Being John Malkovich hmm. with my dad in exchange for him watching anime with me. Long story. But what's the weirdest movie that you've ever seen? Uh, yes. So there's a lot of weird movies out there. And if you're talking about weird in terms of like bad sci-fi flicks, they're (laughs) infinite. But I think the movie that made me genuinely like have the most, what did I just watch reaction, uh, was one of the Oscar winners from like the fifties or sixties. I think it was, it's called Tom Jones. Hmm. Um, it's like a British period comedy, but it's shot with characters aware that they're being filmed almost. There's like several moments where people look directly into the camera, like give a knowing wink or whatever. Hmm. Uh, it's it, it's just so incredibly off-putting and it's shot in a very modern way for when it was released. And it's, it's like a funny basic story. But the whole time I was just like, I can't tell how much the characters know about me right now. <laughs> and it's making me very concerned. I felt very similar finishing that movie to when I walked out of Cats, but sort of in like the opposite direction. Whereas with Cats, I was filled with euphoric joy of having fully given myself over to accepting that I had just watched Cats. And in this movie, I was like, I feel like I was captive in the, by this movie. I was put into captivity by this movie, and I, I do not understand how that happened. I was going to say <laughs> Cats 2019 was one of the weirder experiences. But I think the problem is Cats has lost its mysticism for yes. me because it's just not very good. Like, it's not that <laughs> weird. It's just not yes, it's great. it's just bad. I do recommend the Sideways video... Uh, about cats. It's called something like Why Cats 2019 is Worse Than You Think or something like that, or terrible, (laughs) or something like that. Uh, It's like just an hour-long exploration of why the transition from show to movie made it not work. You know, certain Mm -hmm. changes they made to the plot, the song they added, and then just certain decisions they made about the musical directing that Todd Howard really likes doing. Tom Hooper. Is Tom Howard the Skyrim guy? Yes. (laughs) Sorry. I wouldn't have been surprised if he had worked his way into Cat Samal, but no. Tom Hooper. They keep letting Tom Hooper direct musicals, and I don't think they should. They really shouldn't. I know that he had, like, something going on with Les Mis, but I really think that that was all Anne Hathaway. (laughs) Also, like, the problem is nobody pulls up the the musical Les Mis if they want to hear the songs in yeah. it performed well. Like, they just pull up, like, the 25th anniversary concert. I don't think Tom Hooper understands what it is about a movie musical that makes it so no. uh, <laughs> important compared to a musical musical. He or it makes it does. so, like, charming. And it bothers me that they keep giving him movie musicals anyway. <laughs> well, the number one thing that seems to be the problem is that Tom Hooper doesn't understand that rhythm is an extremely important concept of music. Like, God. Like, you know, he keeps letting his actors kind of turn a song into a soliloquy which is cool if you are an actor and you're Mm -hmm. used to giving you know you have a click track in your ear and then you have to stay on rhythm yeah but if you flip that around (laughs) and consider 
the orchestra that now has to try and accompany you when you're delivering a song like it's a soliloquy yeah. with all the pauses and the speeding up and the slowing down that follows from whatever emotional turmoil the character's going through, then it turns into a nightmare. It's, it's nonsense. like the, the problem is the singer is not in charge of the musical. The singer is doing their job. The orchestra is doing their job. The thing that keeps them all together is the rhythm. And if you don't recognize how important the rhythm is, the song does not sound good. So, like, One Day More in the Les Mis movie is a travesty because everyone is doing it at their own pace, it which is, you can't do with an ensemble there number. There are a lot of audio issues with the Tom Hooper music, movie musical. Ugh. I think what stood out for me the most in Cats is that it sounds as though it was recorded and mixed in a void, as opposed <laughs> to, like, when you're sitting in a theater, there is a certain direction that the sound is coming to you from. You have a sense of space around you, and not only was most of Cat CGI anyway, yeah. <laughs> which is a, just a choice in and of itself, mm. uh, because what makes Cat so fun on stage is that all the practical effects are like charming and kind of fun to look at because right. it's nonsense and crazy, and you're aware that it's an effect, and the being aware of that it is an effect kind of makes it good as opposed to having to try and convince the audience that all of these very famous actors are actual cats. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the whole movie sounds as though it's taking place in a void because of the way they recorded it. Mm -hmm. um, Basically, it did. It's like, it's clearly not a theater. And that you lose some of that charm of the live soundtracks of the actually recorded to sound like they were on stage mm -hmm. musical albums. Uh, and this is a consistent problem with a lot of the Tom Hooper musicals. Yeah. There is not a single thing about Cats 2019 that couldn't have been done better by making it a 2D animated musical. Yes, although I am cats. so, so happy that we got the terrible version. That <laughs> I mean, I'm glad the terrible version exists. I feel like it's going to be a perfect object lesson. Maybe the most euphoric lesson. moment of 2019 for no. me was sitting in a theater with all my old theater friends watching Cats. Here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I saw Cats with a couple friends. Uh, one of them was drunk. Mm. One of them was sober. And I was running on three hours of sleep. It was the <laughs> perfect experience wherein to experience Cats. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a good movie. No, it's not good. It, it wasn't even like <laughs> entertainingly bad. It was just bad. And the crazy thing is, you can tell that they didn't know. Like, look, uh, I don't know if you guys know this. Uh, when they're making a movie musical, you may wonder why they always seem to add one little song. Um, yes. And the reason is you can't get an Oscar for best original soundtrack if all the songs pre-exist the movie. Mm -hmm. So when Les Mis adds that weird little number where Valjean is singing to little baby Cosette and uh, is like, I'll take care of her or whatever in the carriage yeah. and there's almost no accompaniment. It's just there so that they can angle for the Oscar that they're already going to get because of Anne Hathaway pulling like 90% of the weight of that movie. Yes. <laughs> Katz does that with Beautiful Ghosts. God. And again, I recommend the Sideways video. He has an explanation of why Beautiful Ghosts shouldn't have happened on the most basic level. But also, it's a Taylor Swift song. It's got all these, like, imperfect rhymes, because that's her deal. It doesn't, it doesn't sound... sound like Katz that. is based on a book of poetry. The rhymes are literally the most important part of the, <laughs> the lyrics. Um, Cats is basically a review of musicalized poems, and yep. it, every medium that they put it in is progressively worse for that than the last one. Yep. Like, it, I think there was, there was for a while, I think it was like a Steven Spielberg 2D animated Cats in the works. Mm. Uh, and it just never got through the production pipeline, so a lot of stuff dies in the no, production that, pipeline. That one's saved for the good timeline. That's saved for the good timeline. <laughs> uh, 
I got a lot of joy out of watching Cats, which is why I think it's not the weird movie for me to get Mm. that kind of question that we're asking. Right. Because I, at that point, had fully given myself into the fact that I was watching Cats and I was with a lot of old theater buddies. So we were all sort of reveling in our glory days of (laughs) high school amateur theater. (laughs) Uh, And people I was watching Cats with in the theater, it was like a matinee on a Tuesday. So it's like all these old ladies who were there for Jennifer Hudson and a bunch of other college theater kids who were out for the semester. Yeah. And by about the 10 minute mark, anyone who was going to leave Cats had left. <laughs> so everyone in that theater was like singing along. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we were waving our arms. We were jamming out. And it was just a really fun experience in sort of the same way that like going to see Rocky Horror is a fun experience, except there's no like prepared call and responses because it's a movie that came out two yeah, weeks ago. Not yet anyway. Oh God, I kind of, I'm dreading that. I don't want, I don't want them to do that to Cats because the thing with Rocky Horror is good. So. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I really got Rocky Horror. Circling back to the only non-ace person question, everyone else in the OSP crew was like, yeah, you know, Rocky Horror, I mean, it's doing something. I just don't really get it. You don't want to do the time warp again? (laughs) If I understood the point of the song, maybe. (laughs) Anyway. Anyway, yes. Cats is definitely one of the weirder movies. I really feel like the weirdest movie I've ever seen was Sonic Mm. 20-something, whenever that came out. I don't know if that hits weird for me. Like, it's, it's, I guess a little bit weirder than the average like aimed to kids movie that comes out but i don't know if it's necessarily that much weirder i think it's more like i kind of can't believe that it worked Mm, so that's why it feels weird like the thing about cats is that it didn't it didn't like we knew it wasn't gonna work and then it didn't work yeah but when sonic was like when when we all saw that first trailer with the nightmare teeth and like you know yes the the horror that was not cute sonic it was yeah the legs the legs were not good it was a nightmare and we all were like oh god this movie's gonna be a nightmare and then they were like sorry (laughs) the alarm's going off in sony headquarters (laughs) um (laughs) and uh so they uh they uh they crunch timed all their animators which they shouldn't Mm -hmm. have done and they reanimated sonic to be cute and after that uh, the movie worked, which yeah. is fucking crazy. It's wild. It's like they, they, they kind of do the thing I, I preach about a lot with a lot of movies where they had a fairly simple story that they just sort of executed well yeah. enough that it a was like, a simple meal is... well made. Yeah, yeah a simple meal well made, which is what I think is saving it from weird dumb, because other than mm. the fact that it is a Sonic movie, there's not that much that's odd about it. But it was a Sonic movie. We can't just forget that. You know, that's, it's weird that that worked. I'm amazed that they let it be what it was. <laughs> I, you know, I was expecting them to try and like, make it darker or mm. you know like like i am convinced that every single problem that modern superhero movies are having is that everybody who's trying to make them is somebody who was into superheroes when they were a kid and is now trying to retroactively justify why that was actually always a super cool and mature thing for mm. them to be into it's like you cannot take the base concept of batman <laughs> and pretend like it's not kind of ridiculous <laughs> you you can't make this 100% serious it's antithetical to the genre and Sonic is in the same boat, but yeah. I was expecting it to be... It's like there's a level of media insecurity. Mm. Like, you can really tell in some stories, like, the person making this was not comfortable with the fact that they were making something that was ultimately going to be silly. Like, yeah. not necessarily dumb, just silly. You know, you have to, uh, on some level, commit to the bit. You have to yes. lean into it. And I wasn't expecting the Sonic movie to do that. <laughs> but then it... I mean, for God's sake, the climax of that movie is James Mars... Is it Marston or Marsters? Marston. Which one is which? Marston? Okay. Yeah. Uh, saying, like... His name was Sonic. This was his home, and he was my friend. And then it makes Sonic go Super Saiyan. Like, I mean, for God's sake, that's that's great. It's fucking stupid. It's exactly what it needed to be. And I wasn't expecting them to go there. Fair enough, fair enough. Well, to answer your question, then, it looks like our, our weirdest movies we've seen 
Uh, for me, it's Tom Jones, and for you, it's Sonic. It's like a, it's like <laughs> Cats is the weirdest movie I hated, and, and Sonic yeah. is the weirdest movie I unironically loved. Beautiful. Um, yeah, the like the Venn diagram of our opinions has Cats <laughs> in the middle, but like cats you know, in um, Cats in the middle, but it's filling a different circle for each of us. Yeah, for me, yeah. It rocketed to, oh, this is so terrible. I'm having such a good time, and for you, it sounds like, oh God, why am I still sitting as <laughs> Cats? I would rewatch if it weren't for the ending ten minutes where Dame where Judy Dench Dame Judy Dench monologues directly into the into camera. The camera. <laughs> Oh my god, I've never felt more trapped in a theater seat in my life. It was like I was being held hostage. Yes. And every time I thought it was over, she just kept talking. Like, a cat is not a dog. dog. (laughs) And then they would cut to the wide, and you're like, I'm free. And they come back in. They come back in. Okay, we gotta 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 wrap this up before we talk about cats forever because I could talk about cats. Forever. Special bonus pod Special episode. Next the cat's year, next retrospective. <laughs> Blue would murder us if we. <laughs> Blue doesn't need to be there. <laughs> Special girls' night bonus. Uh, it's oops, all cats. Um, okay. After dark. Okay. Yes. Are you uh, ready to check this out, Ren? No. Thank you all so much for listening. Um, as always, if you have a question for the OS Pod, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. please drop by our Discord and put it in the Ask OS Pod channel. Uh-huh. Uh We will get to it. Uh, if and when we can, and if it's, like, good and entertaining. I mean, you know, we're not going to make any promises here, and it helps if you're a Patreon. So if you want to check out our Patreon, we also have that somewhere. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Next time, we will have special guest star... Dominic Noble. Dominic Noble. Uh, cue Muppet theme here. That's the only way I can introduce guest stars. And it's going to be very exciting. I hope everyone who hasn't seen his stuff should go and check out his yes. stuff in the interim. Everyone. And if you have any <laughs> questions specifically for him, feel free to drop them and ask OSPod in the interim. Yes. Uh, we will try and get those to him. Again, conditional on quality and time. I should really stop <laughs> saying that. <laughs> anyway, uh, we'll be back with more videos as per the usual every mm-hmm, Friday mm-hmm. from now. You know, obviously we'll talk about them in the next yes. OS pod. Uh, Blue should be back and fully charged, fully charged. at that point, uh, which should be pretty exciting. Until yes. then, we're hoping he's taking some nice long naps yes. and giving Cleo some TLC and also yes. his wife. <laughs> um, <Yes>. uh, <laughs> until next time, I have been red. I have not been blue. No, and this has been an overly sarcastic podcast, Girls Night Edition. Girls Night! Girls Night! Okay. Woo! <laughs> Woo! All right. Awesome. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast. We'll be back on November 24th with special guest Dominic Noble, but if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or just want more OSP in the meantime, check out Overly Sarcastic Productions on YouTube. Got a question for the pod? Head to Ask OS Pod on Discord for a chance to be featured in a future episode. If you enjoyed the podcast, please rate us and leave a review on your preferred podcast platform. And if you really enjoyed the show, consider becoming a patron. Links to all that and more can be found in the show notes below.